Good morning on this Sunday morning and welcome to our devotional Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. If you joined us yesterday, we had been talking about Jesus when he had been brought before the council and the high priest was there present along with all the Sadducees and Pharisees and all the scribes and everyone that was accusing him, all the false witnesses that were brought up against him. But it says in Matthew twenty six sixty three, but Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. There's a time to speak. There's a time to be silent. And at this point, Jesus no longer said much except when he was on the cross. And, uh, of course, the seven famous words of, uh, of I thirst uh, mother, behold thy son, uh, etc. The words that are spoken, it is finished. Of all these things, <clears throat> those were about the only few words Jesus spoke. Even Pontius Pilate was amazed that uh, Jesus was actually innocent. He even washed his hands of this and understood that the, the, the people, the Pharisees, the leaders, the religious leaders had done it out of spite. But now as we read... In Matthew 26, verse 64, Jesus said unto him, talking about the high priest, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, that's dunamis, and coming in the clouds of heaven. So he's coming back. In verse uh, 65, Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. And of course, they concluded that he should be uh, put to death. Now we're going to look at the life of Stephen as we've been paralleling. Uh, concerning the word confidence and boldness, meaning to be uh, outspoken, to be free, to be plain, uh, basically to be anointed by the Holy Spirit and to be able to talk with such confidence and boldness, such freedom that nothing can withstand that. And we're going to find that in the life of Stephen uh, as he speaks, as he speaks, and talks to these men starting in chapter 6 all the way to chapter 7. There's a good uh, study here. It says in Acts 6 verse 11. Then they subordinated men which said we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. In verse number 13, and they set up, they set up, that word set up basically means that they uh, appointed, they, they coveted it, they, they, they made an agreement with false witnesses, which said, this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words, against this holy place and the law. So these are the things that he was accused of. He was accused of speaking against Moses, speaking against God. 
speaking against the law and speaking against the holy place. Now, his entire debate that is inspired of God that we, with which he speaks, I mean, it, it literally, it literally touches every one of the points for which they accuse him. Moses himself said that God was going to raise up a prophet like unto himself. He says that God does not live in places made by man. Heavens can't contain him. That's point two. He himself is God. How could he blasphemy against God if he was the Christ? And then the holy place, the tabernacle. The tabernacle was temporary in the wilderness. Then we had David's tabernacle for a short time in which the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And then we had Solomon's temple. Then, of course, the temple was rebuilt by Zerubbabel. Then the temple was rebuilt again, or another temple, and that was by Herod. Of course, he addresses them. Stephen says, God does not live in these places. And as far as the law is concerned, he didn't speak against the law. He actually fulfilled everything that was uh, being said. But we see what he does talk about is Jesus. It says in verse 14, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered. In chapter number 7 of the book of Acts, not enough time to read everything, in verse 1, then said the high priest, just like Jesus was before the high priest, are these things so? He gives the entire discourse from the time of Abraham being brought out of Huron and, and being into the uh, land and God promising him a son and the, 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 the family multiplying the 12 tribes and winding up in Egypt, being enslaved under Pharaoh all the way up until they conquered and entered into the promised land, all the way up into David. And he goes through the entire history in just a short chapter, covering everything. And at the end, this is what it says in verse 51 onward. He says, Stephen speaking to them. And remember, Paul was, or Saul was there amongst them, as were many others. So they got to hear everything that he spoke of. He spoke it uh, plainly. He spoke it with, with outspokenness. He was just very, very open and free in his discussion. But now he reaches the conclusion. And he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did so. Do you right here is where I have been making the emphasis that while Stephen was speaking, he was being inspired of the Holy Spirit. And it is the very spirit of God that they were resisting in refusing to hear, refusing to receive, refusing to repent, refusing to bow, refusing to turn they just could not handle, just like when Peter, uh, 
First time he got up and he preached where they were pierced. They were literally pierced through by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And they said, what do we need to do? And of course, Peter explained to them what they needed to do. And we find here in verse 52, it says, Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now betrayers and murderers. Verse 53, Who have received the law, by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. I mean, this must have been the very things that were accusing him, accusing him of. He turns it right around. He said, why are you worried about the law? You don't keep it anyway. Verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Literally, they were sawn a slender. In other words, they were cut in half. It just exposed everything. And that's what the Word of God is. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is living. The Word of God is more powerful than any two-edged sword. I mean, it does more in these few uh, sentences that he speaks concerning his explanation of what he's being accused of. He does more in just these few words in speaking than you can imagine. For the word of God is quick. It's alive. It is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing. Piercing. And the word there, piercing, is the word that it penetrates through. It's able to reach through all the way to the heart, all the way to the spirit man, all the way to the conscience, even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So when he spoke, I mean, it literally cut right through their heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. At this point, the scripture says, And he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Our high priest was standing, not sitting. He normally would have been, but at this point he was standing at the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open, not one, but the heavens, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Of course, Son of Man, speaking about Jesus, he was having an open uh, eye vision. In other words, with his eyes open, he was having a vision and was able to see straight through every one of the heavens, all the way into the very presence of God, and he saw Jesus sitting at the or standing at the right hand of God himself. And they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and they ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him. That means they had to drag him out of where he was at. 
and they dragged him out of the city and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So here we have it. The powerful message that Stephen spoke, the, 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 the boldness and the confidence that he had to be able to speak. And all the apostles and all the individual disciples had learned to be like that. But of course, when they heard that Saul was coming, of course, they were hesitant. They were concerned. But nonetheless, one of them, Ananias, he was bold enough. He actually went after he was told of the Lord where to go, what to do. He said, Lord, but I, I've heard things about this man. And of course, had it not been for the confidence of this man to obey, then of course, we wouldn't have had the Apostle Paul as he is today in, in how we know him and how we have uh, studied him. Of course, we have said all this just to make a point, And that is that the wisdom that he was speaking with was not of a man, but was that of the Spirit of God. It says in James 3.13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out a good behavior. That's the word conversation of his works with meekness of wisdom. Now that's an interesting statement there. That your works be with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envies, verse 14, and strife in your hearts, glory not. And lie not against the truth. Verse 15. This wisdom descends not from above. But is earthly. One. Sensual. Two. Devilish. Three. Three things he attributes to that type of wisdom. For where envy and strife is. There is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above. Is first. It's pure. One. Then peaceable, two, gentle, three, easy to be entreated, four, full of mercy, five, of good fruits, six, without partiality, seven, without hypocrisy. All of these things that are mentioned here are what true wisdom is. And if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. And he abradeth not. That means that he's not going to scold you. He's not going to defame you. He's not going to rail at you. He's not going to taunt you. He's not going to reproach you. And what's going to happen? And it shall be given. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. This is what it says. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A doubly-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, consider this food for thought and for the imagination. May God grant you lips and a tongue that are truly, truly bold in his name and for his glory. Keep looking up. Our redemption draweth nigh. The Lord richly.